Walk to the check-in within minutes with Melbourne Airport's terminal parking. Book online at melbourneairport.com.au. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Yes, there we go. We got there. Welcome, everybody. Summer breakfast. Oh, can you tell it's Friday? Great to have your company wherever you might be listening. And it's a great pleasure to say you are now, in fact, to listening. Sam Edmund with you in the McCafe menu. A lot of cricket to get to today. A lot of footy as well, though. GWS giant big man Harry Himmelberg to join us at 7 o'clock. Brisbane AFLW head of football, Brianna Brock, on at 8. And we wanted to get Brianna on Brisbane, like just about every other club in the AFLW yesterday, involved in the mega trade of all mega trades. 12 players, 11 clubs, 24 picks exchanged in one deal on deadline day. Extraordinary. Aiden Core is going to join us from North Melbourne as well. He's part of that leadership group with a difference. Tom Morris will join us to talk the cricket before we leave you at 9 o'clock. Questions of that notice. Oh, how are we going to fit it all in? Simon O'Donnell, welcome to you. Yeah, morning. Morning, Sam. All good? All good. Well, all good this morning. No updates. Everything good. Uh, Tim I'm, the Toolman stuff. Everything. All that's okay. I went and got my skin checked. Yeah. And I don't have skin cancer. So right. that is, I'm that's thankful for that. Had a After good uh, frying yourself last week. Yes. I decided good to news. let the burn fade before going in to yep. see the skin specialist. We had a good look over some things. I've got some, uh, I think we all get them as we get older. Some um, some marks that are completely yeah. benign and a few, what do they call them? I think they call them, <laughs> not a very glamorous term, senile warts, basically, yeah. that, the, that the sun causes us. But thankfully, nothing cancerous or worrisome good. at this stage. It's but good. he did say to me, he goes, look, you will get you will get something that needs to get cut out. You will get a skin mm. cancer at some stage in your life. It's just not yet. Mm. So, poof. Good. Cycle. Good work. Good work. Good to have you One here. One of those again things you've got to do. Yeah, yeah. It's good to be. Hey, you know what? We'll get to a lot of sport, but just quickly, I saw a movie over the last few days. It's taken me a few days to get through it all that you have to watch. If you like Cast your movie, if- no, no, it's a new one. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's rating its bum off at the moment, and they reckon is one of the great movies of 2023. I'm not sure about that. However, it's shot with a difference. It's one of those tension building, spooky, haunting, you can't look away from it. It has you on the edge of your seat, but just building gradually as the as the minutes roll by. It's called Leave the World Behind. Julia Roberts is in it, Ethan Hawke, Kevin Bacon. It's essentially about, I don't want to go too far. I'm halfway through. About the end of the world. You're yeah. watching it. Yeah, yeah, I'm halfway through. How hard is it to turn off? Yeah. And I had to do it a couple I, of times. Only halfway through because I fell asleep. Right. It's sort of not what my experience was. Yeah, well, we probably have different experiences then. You don't rate it at all? Um, well, no, I was tired. You didn't find it sort of gripping? It was different, isn't it? Yeah, it didn't didn't grip me enough not to go to sleep. <laughs> right. <laughs> I actually liked it. Well, that's okay. We don't have to like the same thing all the time. But wasn't it tense? Didn't you find it te- Obviously not. You're not at all. I can't believe you're not at off. 
Yeah. I mean, as I said, it took me it a few was, goes. It was get... into the evening. I had to get up and come and say good day to yeah. you. It's, it's worth persisting with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially it'll about the end of the... Up. When I turn Netflix on again, it'll pop back up, you know. Yeah. Continue half, watching. Half, half watched. It, essentially about the end of the world, but told with a difference. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the open line's one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Yeah, good. 40 wings temper text 0433981116. Shock horror. We've got a difference of opinion on something. Um, you would have watched the test. Uh, yep. And the first day dominated by a man whose place in the side has been the subject of so much debate. Davey Warner, months of debate about whether he's earned the right to finish his test career on his own terms, the farewell tour, if you like. Well, he went out and blasted his 26th test century, 164 he made on day one in Perth against uh, the team that Tony, late Tony Gregg called Pakistan. Five for 346, and David Warner, so 50 off 41, opening stand of 126 with Usman. It was an emphatic, an emphatic response. Yes. Fair bit of resilience there, isn't there, from the little fella? Everything that made him who he is as an international yeah. cricketer was on show. He was belligerent with the bat. Century was celebrated with a little shh as well. He's going to end like he started. You know, he started, they had him batting six, and oh, mate. And he said, no, I'm an opener. And they said, no, no, you're a six. Well, he ended up an opener in all forms of the game. He said, I'll, I'll open in all forms of the game. And that's how he spent his career at the top of the order. And... Uh, yesterday, just uh, signed off on on his farewell tour, and he'll he'll go to Sydney now, and and um, you know, it, it, you just you've got to wonder continually just the the times he's been backed into a corner over his career, and he just comes out throwing punches, mm. and he's done it again. He, mm. He's he, his strength of mind is quite quite superb, yeah, quite superb. And survive at the top of the order, number one bat. He goes out and faces the new cherry in all forms of the game, and he's done that now for a long, long time. But do you believe him when he comes out after and says, oh, I felt no extra pressure? You know, that's your job to discuss that. I feel no extra pressure. I, I don't believe that. I, he had to have gone in with some level of anxiety and apprehension and nerve. Well, I think yesterday... He, Surely. I, I thought he was alluding in his press conference yesterday to, it's good that the pressure's now off. Yeah. I, I think he's been working to shut the pressure out, which is an admission that, I have been feeling yeah. the pressure. Oh, he's bound for the SCG now. Yeah, so he's going to so, get, he's so, going to get, you know, that, 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 will that all go away now? Will we? No, it won't because he, he's so polarizing. Now I, I had a really, I had a, a really disturbing text yesterday. I had one of the more un-Australian texts I've ever received Oh, from a good mate of mine. Wishing and he was at the pub. Will? No, he was at the pub and David Warner made his hundred and he said not one person cheered or applauded. Oh, in the pub? I thought that was horrible. Wow. I mean, you've got to take your hat Whether you love him or hate him. That's harsh. When he does what he did yesterday for our country, surely you've, you've got to give him plaudits for that. You know, and even Mitch Johnson did in the end, although through a grit of teeth. Did you see <laughs> Channel 7 are the kings of the cutaway? They never, ever miss an opportunity. And you know they were sweating on it. So when David Warner hits a boundary... In the sixth over scoop, the camera, straight to Mitch Johnson mm. for a response. Mm. I thought, please, they're not going to do this 50 times the innings, are they? They're not going to go back to him after he hits a four every time. Thankfully, they didn't. But gee whiz, he, um, yeah, it uh, was an awkward moment um, at various stages yesterday. So Marsh and Kerry at the crease. I don't, you know, I don't reckon Pakistan are out of this. The first hour will be crucial today. If Marsh gets a hold of them, then he bats them out of the contest. But I tell you, Pakistan didn't bowl half bad. If they took their chances, they had a couple of half chances. 
Warner was dropped a tough one on 104, but they put Usman down. A couple of little half moments here and there. They didn't bowl particularly well early, but I re- they're not out of it. I reckon if they can skittle us in the first hour, it's game on. They're not out of it. So often, touring teams here in the first hour, first session, it's just a horror session for them. Mm. And yesterday, just it was. And Pakistan aren't the first touring team to fall foul of the first session here in Australia in a test match. Just for nerves, different you know conditions, all that sort of thing. And they can practice on them as much as they want. You know, it, it's it's not easy to change your lengths, and you, you've got to. It takes a a, a period of transition. So. Once they did get it right, I really like what they did the last two sessions. You know, yeah, they stayed competitive, yeah. and you know, I thought their bowling, you know, was good at times. But geez, they hung in there, and so I give them full credit for for really making a a, a day of it and and making Australia work. But which... there were starts everywhere. So Kawaja forty one, uh, Manus trapped LB for sixteen. Steve Smith couldn't uh, progress from thirty one. Travis Head. Uh, probably a bit unlucky to be caught a third man in the end for 40. So they all made starts. So Mitch Marsh could get a hold of him, but we'll we'll see how we go. Not everyone <laughs> not everyone loves uh, my movie, Scoob, uh, Leave the World Behind. Some do. Mixed feelings on the ending. It doesn't have a formulaic, doesn't necessarily have a beginning, middle, and an end. And people don't like it when movies end without a it all tied up in a neat little bow. And this is not your movie if you like your resolution. But... It was shot differently, told differently, and it's a unique idea. You've got to love a unique idea, mm. Scoot. I know, quite right. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Some f- mixed feedback, though, off the, off the text. Hey, what did you think of um, Wasim Akram, the Pakistan legend, in the commentary? He was wearing the aviators in the commentary box. In the commentary box, yeah, the aviators. Iconic. But they were off at the end of the day. Did you notice his last session? He took them off. Last session, they were off. First two sessions, they were on. Well, fading light. And and they were on when he was on the panel pre Pre-game, he had the aviators on, the Tommy Cruz look. I wasn't sure of Rav pumping up the toss. Ravi Shastri yeah. pumps up the toss. Yeah. I'm not completely convinced <laughs> on that just yet. I'm happy to go with the next four test matches yep. and see where it lands, but trying to make the toss a celebrated event at a test venue, I'm just not sure... I'm 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 backing Rav. I'm backing him, but I'm not sure it's where we need to be from a tally point of view. But let's see how it rolls for the next four tests. Annie's in the lovely state of South Australia, and Annie joins us this morning. How are you going, Annie? Good morning, boys. Yeah, it's a bit brisk at 13 degrees in the Barossa, but um, that's all right. We'll get through the day. Um, I just want to talk about. Davey. Oh my goodness. He has been one of my favourite players along with um, Ricky Ponting and Shane Warne. He just shows guts, determination, um, the way he plays his cricket um, in all formats of game has just been nothing but exceptional. I understand people, um, like he's obviously a polarising person, um, and I understand where people are coming from. It obviously all starts with um, the South Africa sparkle. Um, but you know what? I've I've forgiven him for that. I haven't forgotten, but I've uh, forgiven him, and he will go. In my eyes, he will go down as one of the greatest players um, that Australia has had. He's just um, sensational, and I'm just going to really miss him. 
when he when he finally pulls the pin. Yeah, and Annie, we've got a lot of those. Thanks for your call, by the way. Always great to hear from you, Annie. We had a lot of those texts of a similar mind this morning and a lot from the complete opposite mind this morning. And we're going to get those all throughout the morning. That's just, a, as Scoob says, the nature of the individual. But he went past Matty Hayden yesterday. He went past Michael Clark yesterday. He's now into one, two, three, four, fifth all-time test run scored for Australia. Eight thousand six hundred and fifty. And he's only second behind Ricky Pony, I think, in hundreds in all forms. Yes, like, he, he's a star. He's a star. He's a polarizing star, but he's a, he's an absolute star. And and yesterday, everyone, uh, everyone, bad choice of words. A lot of people wanted him not to make Sydney just because he is so mm. polarizing. That's so. And true. he said, "I'm going to Sydney." And here, cop this one sixty odd, so I can go. Yeah. And it, it he's. It's it's just him. He's so stubborn and strong-willed. You know, he'd be a ripping bloke to sit down on a stool and have a beer with to try and figure out how he ticks. Oh, you'd love to go to the uh, Favelli Hotel. There's a lot and being sit held in the front back. Bar and have a yarn because a, I think he would be a fascinating human being to get to know. There's a there's a lot being held back for the book. I reckon the big uh, tell-all come the come the end of the career. Uh, the, he, <laughs> Leave the World Behind was very ordinary. Four out of ten at best. Rubbish left-wing movie made by the Obamas. Utter garbage. And it was made by the Obamas as well. Uh, loved it, says Buzz. Mixed feelings on the ending. Uh, Sam agree with Leave the World Behind. Tony and East Bentley. So it's worth a look. That's all I'll say because it is that different. Yeah. You'll either love it or hate it as it's coming through. A bit like David Warner himself off the text. Um, you know, with the- I don't want to influence people by saying, Saying the movie put me to sleep. No, I, put, I had a few goes at it too for that same reason, but I would have watched it no problem during the day. No like problem. Did, I was gripped. It did put me to sleep through lack of interest, but it, you know, like, well, I wouldn't, have, intrigued I wouldn't with have, what have was... fallen asleep during Top Gun or Top Gun Maverick. Well, different, never fallen different, asleep. Hey, totally different. Never fallen asleep while they're Top on. Gun, very superficial compared to this. This is a deep, this is on a deeper level, leave the Why world behind. you meant to watch a movie to relax and. and, and Some. And, and, Not always. Depends on the mood that you you're know, in. Pretend the world and its pressures aren't there. Oh, we can't have a thought-provoking movie every once in a while? Or they've all got to be cops and robbers and guns and explosions. I, I don't go to the and movies. And good guys and baddies, and the baddies get <laughs> caught in the end. And, oh, oh the ending, there we gee, go, runs happy. Let's make sure we never, ever question Sam's no. choice of movie. If you if you want to go to all. the boring, thought-provoking ones all the time and, Not all the time. and extend your mental oh. journey wherever it may end, Jeez, you're that's a good, fine. You're a good twister, aren't you? You're a very good twister. SEM Breakfast, there is so much to get to today. We're wasting it talking rubbish with you. Uh, Melbourne Airport parking, nothing beats Melbourne Airport's terminal parking. You can book online. I've got to get to you after the break, though. Your man. Don't point your finger at me. Your man, Draymond Green. Very clumsy, Draymond. Mate, they're harsh on Draymond. And what's the Greek freak done over there with the Bucks as well? Looking for his game ball. It's all happening in the the NBA. Well, SEM Breakfast, powered yeah, by Kubota. You've got to go and ask for it nicely. More than 40 years Kubota have been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Walk to the check-in within minutes with Melbourne Airport's Terminal Parking. Book online at melbourneairport.com.au. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Stuart, welcome, Stuart. Anytime. Cracking movie, ending a bit ho-hum, but a riveting flick, leave the world behind. Hey, Scoob, just with that uh, test crowd yesterday, 
So the final figure was actually given as 15,671 at Optus, and then it was corrected to 16,259. I mean, even if that is true, and we'll debate that in a moment, how many come to watch the Eagles get pumped week in, week out? It'd be 40 to 50. By the end of the year, it was still 40 plus. And yet we can't get our West Australian friends interested in watching test cricket once a year in their own backyard. Never what, have been able to. What's going on? Always been the issue and why they, if it wasn't for the whacker, they would struggle to get a test match each year, Western Australia. So last year, the their day attendance one. attendance is deplorable. Because last year, the day one crowd was 10,929. Now, I don't know. The eyes have it, as they say in the well, classics. I, I, it's How been the whole 60, isn't it? Optus? 60, Optus. I, I, so if there's 16,000 there, it's a quarter full. Did it look? I, I would have missed 40 to 50 minutes of all play yesterday. And, I, you know, when they'd pan around, I kept thinking, nah, if there's a capacity of 60 and they're telling me there's 15, I'm, I'm halving that. So you best. reckon there was? I'm six to eight. I reckon less than 10 as well. Yeah. I'm six to eight maximum there yesterday. And that's always been the problem in WA and they'll – Wins and wine and, oh, we should have more cricket. And Always? Well, no one goes and watches it. Always? Yeah. Fill the joint and you'll get all the cricket you want. Your football clubs fill it. But the cricket just doesn't get going. And, and because of the unique nature of the whacker, you know, that, that, that drew people. And you know, since the sort of whacker lost its, I, I suppose, point of difference, and you know, we're looking yesterday, that was a... That's miles off a whacker track that I would remember from mm, mm. a long time ago. Now, that that was s- such a unique part of what Western Australia brought to international cricket, and and now that you know they're probably back with the field, and apparently that stadium is fantastic. I've never been to that stadium, but you know, they've got to start coming and watching the cricket. Yeah, they've got to come in in numbers. <sighs> Have yeah. to. Uh, off the text, some feedback regarding David Warner's unbelievable century yesterday. Good morning, gents. Just want to mention David Warner. Personally, I can't have him due to Sandpaper Gate, but his stats are brilliant. My seven-year-old son, Hudson, loves him. He doesn't know any of his flaws in the past. He takes him for the talented cricketer he is. He wants to bat like Davey Warner, hit sixes, make hundreds. He is still a role model for the up-and-coming juniors of today. I had this conversation with my boys last night. How do we look at David Warner over dinner? Because they're old enough. They know sandpaper and they know the cheating. And their general take was, because I was playing devil's advocate saying, guys, you know, cheated. Not like you? Not devil's advocate? I know. But I thought, we've discussed this. I feel like he never owned it like Steve Smith did. And that is probably why the Australian public haven't warmed back to him like they maybe have for Steve. Just my interpretation of it. But the kids were like, well, we forgive and we forget. We we forgive. He's done his. T- he's done the crime. He's done the time, and now we move on. That was the the thought of the younger generation around my dinner table last night, and maybe the rest of us are just a bit slow. I mean, a lot of texts coming through today. Once a cheat, always a cheat, and that's it. They've stamped him for mm. life. Um, but still, some good feedback here, you know, uh, as well. Um, although there's this, he's one of those lucky players to be able to fail, 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 get pushed into a corner, and then come out to make runs. A lot of players get dropped before. That it's going to be really interesting the next two years when David we are David Warnerless. You don't know what it's got till it's gone. No, mm. yeah, like to to have a guy you know striking at you know I think he's high seventies in Test cricket um, at the top of the order, you know, taking the wind out of some of the pace attacks around the world. Um, you know, what what we then present next 
uh, our next era is going to be really interesting. And I think that the selectors have been quite clear, and even the debate still is can we promote to open it from within the squad as it stands, not bringing from outside? So they, they, the confidence they have in the replacements, it's just not there yet. It's nowhere near there yet. So he's going to leave a gaping hole. For, you know, now, someone will fill it, and that's the great thing about sport. You get the opportunity to, you know, um, the floodgates will open for you if you can go there and, you know, just play your own game and be successful at it. Mm. But, you know, we will miss David Warner massively, massively. Again, whether you love him or hate him, we will miss He will leave a massive hole in that batting order. Some coming into bat, pardon the pun, for the crowd yesterday. It was a Thursday, kids at school, adults at work, never going to get good numbers to attend uh, the game. Um, most of the crowd would have been behind glass, state-of-the-art corporate facilities <laughs> coming through as well. I'm not so sure we could be that forgiving. West Coast, by the way, for that season of misery, averaged 42,251 yeah. per game. Yeah. This year. And, and I think that's where your comparison is. He's an international team playing once a year with the whites on. Yep. And we get... well, our, our, the, the country. I'm not having there was more than 10,000 there, but they say there was 16,000. But even if there is 16, compared to that, yeah. West Coast Eagles, who you know, hardly won a game over there this year, yep. had a horror year, yet they averaged 42. And we're less than 50% of that to play a test match. Now, mm. it'll be interesting to see if we get to 42 for the entire test match. Over the, if it goes five days, even yeah. four days. I wonder if we can average in excess of 10 to get us to that 42. Feedback flying through on Warner as well. We'll sprinkle them throughout the show as we uh, continue to discuss the first day of the first test against Pakistan as our morning unfolds. We've got a big McCafe menu today if you're just joining us. Harry Himmelberg out of seven from the Giants. Brianna Brock from the Brisbane AFLW uh, franchise there, head of football there. The mega trade yesterday, 12 players, 11 clubs. Aiden Corb will join us from the Kangaroos. Tom Morris will wrap up uh, day one of the cricket as well. Questions that notice and a stack to get to. The Melbourne Mavericks are here as well. You can get a Mavs membership today. Just head on over to melbournemavericks.com. Time for the news headlines. A sports news update for Kiza. Struggling with knee, back or neck pain? Rebuild your strength with a Kiza physio today. Well, any happening in the world of sport uh, throughout the week and overnight. But before we get to that, Sooty has called in from Warnable, one of my favourite shows as a kid growing up. Scoob, Sooty and Sweep. You ever watch that? No, you would have been. You're a bit older than me. You've been too advanced. I love Sooty and Sweep. Great show. Sooty, welcome to the show. Hey, hey boys. How you going? We're well. Hey, now, just for the Warner situation, um, do you think that the, the selectors, they don't want, want to bring in a, uh, one of the three three guys that I mentioned due to the, their sort of strike rates? And with Kawaja and his strike rate, they probably don't want two at the top of the order sort of turtling along, so to speak, when they've been used to having someone like Davey come in and, you know, take it up to the opposition straight away. Unless uh, Kawaja, who, who, unless he pulls a rabbit out of the hat and says, after Sydney, well, I'm going too. Mm. Um, do you think that that's maybe the reason why they, they're sort of looking with him? <sighs> Sorry, it's get, look, I'm not sure which way they're going to go. I, I, I really don't. I, I um. You know, indicators to me are that the preference is to come from within. That that's that's I, I think that's the feel I get. That's the talk I'm hearing. Which which I you know, um, it's it's such a specialist role. But with all the the contributing factors of 
you know, 2020 cricket and 50 over to cricket now and take a couple of the shots of David Warner yesterday, particularly the one he hit for six, he sort of... Oh, yeah. Like, it was... The one over fine league. Yeah, the one over fine league. Yeah. Like, it was quite extraordinary, Sooty. So, I, I'm not sure sure what happens, but, you know, you what, what you won't have or what we will miss if Kawajic continues on is that stroke player at the other end that takes them on. Mm. And the, I think they're looking for that because they understand what that combination can do to a bowling lineup in a test match. And... That's why I still think they're looking within because the guys to fill that spot they're not stroke they're not heavy hitters you know they they it's a it's another like Kawaja, which is fine but they've got a recipe that's working and they'd like to try and keep it as close to that as they can and aggression's part of it. Thanks for the call there, Soot. Uh, I'll judge the crowd come Saturday, says this texter, when people actually have a chance to go. I think test cricket in WA would be different if they were ever given a test during the holiday period. Test cricket's on a weekday. People are still working. School is still happening. It's a week before Christmas. It's not great timing. Some of the feedback on that uh, ordinary crowd from yesterday. But those who were there, Scoob, saw the Aussies take the honours after day one in this first test. So five for 346 at Stumps. A powerful 164 from uh, David Warner. It was a big up yours to his critics. We'll hear from him later on. Mitch Marsh at the crease, 15. Alex Carey with him, 14. First uh, session, absolutely pivotal to decide this test later on today. What happened in the NBL? Because we had the throwdown between United and the South East Melbourne Phoenix. JJ yeah. plump for the Phoenix yesterday. Yeah, I was not concentrating because there's a bull loose in Texas and oh. it's on the railway tracks. We're big on animal escapes, aren't we? Yeah, it was. A, it's a big bull too. We've had a couple of lion escapes. Yeah. One at the Sydney Zoo, one at Taronga, and one over there in a small, yeah, a, a small village in Italy mm. that upset some locals, as it would. So I was a little distracted there, but I'm back on well, back we'll on track now. Big, big horns too, like big Texan bull with big horns. Mess with the bull, you get the horns. Well, you might get a lot more. Longhorn. Yeah, you might get a nice steak too if you get him right. Melbourne United were too strong for the Phoenix. Always uh, thinking of your gut, aren't you? Phoenix <laughs> in the throwdown last night, 106 to 78. That's pretty conclusive, isn't it? Thinking of another one of those mixed grills. Oh, oh yeah. Well, we didn't have Garvey's guts there last night. So no, it was costly. <laughs> Ten chops he's put away. Yeah, we didn't have. Uh, <laughs> Joe Alatrul, I think. Garvey's removal hey, hey. truck there last night, so it was more, you know, sort of twenty-five dollars <laughs> for. Feed the family last night instead of 255. A chill tormented South East Melbourne Phoenix. Seven blocks he had last night. 17.7 room and seven blocks. That's uh, unbelievable. Eddie Jones yep. officially named the head coach of the Brave Blossoms Japan rugby. And uh, uh, Tom Decent went over there to hit him with the hard questions. And um, and they were answered. We'll, we'll play that audio a little bit later on the show. But Eddie maintaining that he didn't interview for the Japan job pre the World Cup with Australia. So he's sticking to his guns there, and he's not budging. He's saying he was being uh, sounded out as part of their um, their consultative team that was looking to appoint the new coach. Not necessarily him, though, just after his opinion. In the NBA... What, the Greek freak. Oh, Giannis. I'm leaving the name to you. Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think I murdered that, but no, not too bad. 64 points we in a win over the Pacers. 64 points in a game. 64 he dropped. I don't think there was well, you'd a... you take the pill home, wouldn't you? Wow, we'll get to that in a it's moment. like a fifer. He tried and may have failed. Be better than a fifer. And there was a fair old scrap for the ball, for the game ball. And in the NBA, your man Draymond the Green. The man who's just completely misunderstood, Draymond Green will be suspended indefinitely, <laughs> I repeat, indefinitely, for his latest outburst in the NBA <laughs> after punching Suns 
centre, Joseph Norkick. Yeah. How'd I go with that? Suspended indefinitely. 18 is, times he's been out of it. He's the most ejected yeah. player in the, uh, amongst all active players at the moment yeah. in the NBA. We'll get into he's that after the break as well. <laughs> Very misunderstood. And there's some tribunal changes in the AFL and some regulation changes that were sent to clubs by the AFL yesterday. I've got the document, Scoob, and at the risk of putting you to sleep, like our movie that we both uh, disagreed on, I've summarised the best points for you. There's some curious changes coming in the AFL next year. Uh, I've got the the manifest. It's a big document. What we'll time are we going to do that? Oh, I don't know. Some stage out of seven, perhaps. Okay. Just give us a little bit of warning there, will you? No, no. It's, it's, there's some no, stuff no, in I'll there just, that I think I'll you'll, just, you'll might tickle you. I've got some other stuff you. to do. No. I'll just totter off and do that. I think there's some stuff in there that might tickle you just a little bit, Scoob. Just Boys. tickle you just a little bit. Boys, okay. can you turn my mic off when we do that, please? <laughs> you just keep your eye on that ball that's escaped, will you? And oh, yeah. There's big news in Texas. It was just going along the train line. Well, toot, toot, comes the other way. No more bully. No more bully. Bully, back, bully. Back after this. <laughs> Walk to the check-in within minutes with Melbourne Airport's terminal parking. Book online at melbourneairport.com.au. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Oh, that's nicely done from the zip. Bulls on parade. And they are over there somewhere in Texas, so you tell us, Scoob. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that one. Um, Big Al. What is it with people? They are hard done by in Perth, aren't they? You know, there's all sorts of excuses for the cricket. It's impacted by poor scheduling, we're told. Starting on a Tuesday or Thursday is not appealing. A traditional Friday start should be mandatory. The Australian team also doesn't have the characters that are appealing to the public. Put Cam Green and the wild thing in the crowd would be much bigger. Look at the scorchers crowds. You see that West Australians are attracted to good cricket. Ticket, food and drink prices are also a factor. Oh, my goodness me. The violin ensemble in full effect here. Steve on the road, though, all these people saying it's a work day, it's a school day. I saw a stat yesterday that the Gabba averages 29,000 people on the first day, so that's not an excuse for Perth. Giannis, the Greek freak, and Tatakumpu from the Milwaukee Bucks, mm-hmm. dropped 64 points. He wanted the game ball. 64. He's coming back to this. 14 points. Wants the Desperately wants the game ball to, um, to remember. So what's sort of a, the, the equivalent? Uh, Is there cricket. a point... Level where you say, oh, that's just like an outrageous game. I reckon anything 50-plus, you want the game ball, well, for sure. So, you? Yeah, or a, or a buzzer beater or a career high or any any sort of momentous moment like that. And so it, in cricket, you know, you get it when you take the Michelle, the Pfeiffer, don't you? Pfeiffer. What? The Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Or a st- you in your ear, everyone went running for the stumps. Everyone went running for the stumps. Yeah. Anyway, Giannis wanted the ball. He went to the refs. Oh, sorry. Indiana already took the ball. Indiana took the ball. Goes into the Indiana change rooms, and Indiana have given the ball to one of their uh, rookies from the Congo, young fella, who scored his first points in the NBA. He scored one point from the free throw line. One point. So he's got the game ball, and Indiana aren't giving it back. And Giannis is getting upset. Got into whistle. And there's an altercation. In the rooms. In the change rooms. Oh, Giannis is losing his mind by this stage. There's a physical altercation. Was he talking Greek? No. Or he, American? He was talking fruity. And he, uh, I'm not sure he got it. I'm not sure he even thinks he got it because this was Giannis in the post-match press conference when he was asked if he actually got his hands on the game ball. 
Um, can you confirm that you have the game ball from tonight? I have no idea. I'm not going to lie. I have no idea. Um, I, I don't know. You know, I really don't know. I don't know. I have a ball, but I don't know if it's a game ball. It doesn't feel like the game ball to me. It's, it feels like a brand new ball. Um, like I can, I can tell, you know, from, um, I played what, 35 minutes a day. You know, I know how the, the game ball felt. Uh, and that's what you you thought they had the game ball. That's why you ran after them in the tournament. I knew they had the game ball. I don't I didn't think I have, they had the game ball. I knew they had the ball. Game ball gate. So he got a ball, but he thinks it's an imitation, not the real thing. Just give him a ball from out the, back. Out the packet. Now, this is Rick Carlisle. He's the coach of the Indiana Pacers. He spoke afterwards as well about the kerfuffle in his team's locker room. What happened at the, after the game was uh, was unfortunate. There's a misunderstanding about the game ball. Um, it was Oscar Shibwe's first NBA official NBA point, so we always get the game ball. We were not thinking about Giannis's franchise record, so we grabbed the ball and um, a couple of, a couple of minutes later, several of their players ended up in our hallway, and there was a big. A big, uh, I don't know, I don't know what to call it, a fracas, a melee, whatever. I don't think any punches were landed, but my general manager got elbowed in the ribs by one of their players. Um, and so he certainly has a bruised, bruised rib, and who knows, you know, if it's anything more than that. But um, unfortunate situation. We don't need the the official game ball. There's two game balls there. Um, you know, we could have taken the other one, um, but it didn't need to escalate to that. And so, you know, really just, you know, unfortunate. What a mess. What a mess. So the game was in Milwaukee. Who deserves the game ball more? The guy that breaks the franchise record 64 or the rookie who scores his first point? In the competition, two game balls. Yeah, but there's only one genuine game. It's one each. Who gets the main one? Well, Giannis. Does he? Yeah. That he trumps the, the first point. Fella. Yeah, I would have thought so yeah. too. Common sense, logic. Giannis wanted the game ball Good because he broke the, the franchise game. record for most points in a game. Failed to mention he had 32 free throws. Well, that's okay. He was fouled. He goes to the free throw line. Only, that's okay. How long's the game of basketball go for? Forty-eight minutes. He was only on for 35. 37, I think it was in the end. But that's that's probably normal, I think. 37 minutes of court time. Yeah. 64 I, points in 37 minutes. So Draymond, Draymond Green ejected three times this season. The most recent one prior to this incident was the five-game ban. Um, Joking. He choked Minnesota's Rudy Gobert. Got him in a vicious headlock. A sleeper hole, and he wasn't letting go. So less than a month after that, he has this incident against the Phoenix Suns, and they've just said, no. You, you're actually done indefinitely here, and we'll decide when you're coming back. Pretty amazing. So he's got to jump through a few hoops to get back on court. Yeah, he absolutely does. Senior management, do you think? I think they might be. How long do those courses take? You should know. <laughs> Tony, finally something being done about that bum, that being Draymond Green. He claimed he was selling a foul. He needs help. Run our test 2.0. That's from uh, that's from Tony. I'm going to give Don Scott a crackers keen in a call and see how they handled. That's it.
issues in their career and it might help him. All right. We better get to a break. There's so many feuds and spats going on oh. at the moment. What about Nick Kyrgios v. Boris Becker as well? Did you see you, that? On... You brought this to my attention. And in the break, I want to have a little peek You're going to have to have a look on X mm. during this break to have a look. It got deeply personal between the two of them. Nick Kyrgios v. Boom Boom. Shake the room. We might discuss it after this. Yeah, listening to SEM Breakfast, powered by Kubota. More than 40 years they've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. And you want to get your hands on the all-new Temper Pro. It's Temper's most adaptive mattress ever. And it's here. Temper, a mattress like no other. Giannis and Tetokotomatu. Walk to the check-in within minutes with Melbourne Airport's Terminal Parking. Book online at melbourneairport.com.au. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. And it's a great pleasure to say that uh, GWS giant star Harry Himmelberg is going to join us uh, at a 7 o'clock. Pop the question in Paris over the off-season. Did himself a, a new uh, shave the hair oh, back, dyed the romances. hair. Brought another one down. Proposed in front of the Eiffel. He, at, but he had the ponytail. I loved him in the ponytail. No more. She's been shaved as a real slim shady oh, Eminem style, about that. circa two thousand. Look that's about not, it, uh, aerodynamic. Uh, well, that actually might be very aerodynamic. Shave the bonds. Oh, I loved the. I loved him in the ponytail when he let it free after the game and shook his head. It was a bit Elmick Fursey type scenario. Very, very tough preseason at the Giants last year um, under Adam Kingsley. I wonder how this uh, preseason is going. So Harry will bring us up to speed on everything. GWS and what a season they had this year as well. Did you catch up on that Kyrgios Becker feud? Well, I've Did been, you see that? Yeah. So basically, to summarise, loose Nicholas, isn't he? So Nicholas was speaking with the Athletic, I think, and he was talking about the comparison of eras. He said the game was slow back then. You know, he's saying I'm not saying they weren't good in their time; they were, but to say they would be good now and it could translate is absurd. We serve so much faster. The serve and volley game then, you know, to do it all the time now, you need to be serving 220. If you don't, Djokovic is going to eat you alive. Leighton Hewitt destroyed Pete Sampras one year at the US Open. He says that was the first prototype of someone who could return serve. He made Sampras look SHIT. And what would Novak do to someone like Sampras? It would be a cleanup. If Hewitt was doing it, Djokovic would destroy him. He would eat him alive. And now Boris returned serve on Twitter. And he said, Nick's making a lot of noise about tennis lately. Why does he talk about a sport he apparently hates? Fact check, Nick has never won a major championship as a player or coach. So where is any credibility coming from? Trying to compare generations, yada, yada. Speak, just keep it to your OnlyFans forum, he, he left him with. And Nick wasn't going to lie down with that. He said, this bloke speaking about credibility. Last time I checked, you were the one hiding assets. Obviously, Boris did some time behind bars, you'll remember. <laughs> flouting some insolvency rules by hiding $3 million and avoiding uh, paying debts on his loans. So, And then Nick came back with also, you know, I've beaten Federer and Adal, Novak, Murray, so I feel like I have a little credibility, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that Novak would wipe the floor against you in your prime. It's not an attack, it's just facts. Boy, boy, oh boy. What is going on in the world? There's fights everywhere, animosity everywhere. Let's show a little bit of love this morning. Scoob, okay? The morning after Warner Club, 164. Aussies in control in Perth. No one there to see it, but we can celebrate it nonetheless. Harry Himmelberg's going to join us. Rana Brock, the mega trade in the AFLW. He shaved it all off. Aiden Core, Tom Morris as well, and you. Join us anytime. We'll be back after the news headlines.
Walk to the check-in within minutes with Melbourne Airport's terminal parking. Book online at melbourneairport.com.au. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Awesome to have your company here on Summer Breakfast on a Friday. The working week is just about there, and I hope your final day of it has started well. Great to have your company. We're with you through until 9 o'clock, of course. We'll scoop GWS, though one of the stories of this year, no doubt about it. Engineering, a magnificent run to a prelim final last season. Eventually stopped only by the Premier Collingwood by the smallest of margins at the MCG. And this man was an absolute star for the Giants throughout. He signed a new contract, now got himself engaged, and has a very nice new haircut to go with it. Wouldn't be more disappointed. Harry Himmelberg, welcome to SEN. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, now, Scoobs, be more disappointed, <laughs> Simon's not Couldn't thrilled with the new look, mate. I like it. A bit of – so for those unfamiliar, you've shaved it on a – what would it be? Like a three or what, what sort of length are we talking there? Uh, yeah, about a three on the top. And you've put a nice little rinse side. through it as well. Yeah, I um, I actually got into Toby Green's lemon juice stash. So he <laughs> brings that out every summer. Um, even though he's got zero blonde in his hair, he ends up with, with these tips. He, he he calls it lemon juice. So I got into that and put it through the hair. I love the way Harry plays, but he's not going to be the same player without the the bun. He misses the bun. He misses the bun, Harry. Yeah, it's going to take a while for that to come back. I don't know if I ever will, to be honest. It's too much maintenance, um, and the missus is quite happy with. Uh, with this nice new smell of the new hair compared to the, the old Harry, one. What, what a, like, you know, you're not the first bloke that's been bought undone by France and Paris, but, you know, what's happened over there? Oh, yeah, I was undone by it. Um, that was, it was uh, a special moment for, for us. And um, Tali being European, I thought it'd be, um, It'd be a good uh, good time to do it on a nice little European holiday. Oh, so, fantastic. got it done, boys. Good on you. No, that's, that's great. You'll be settled at home, mate. You'll have a season that you'll never, ever forget this year. That's the plan, yeah. We just need to pick up where we left off last year. I think uh, one thing is that's right is it doesn't just happen. So, we're putting in the hard yards um, this last couple of weeks before Christmas, and uh, we look to sort of carry that momentum into January as well. Uh, Harry, just before we leave and get into some more footy, of course, just before we leave the proposal, what what was the plan? Were you anxious about it? I mean, it's an iconic venue, of course, and great photo. And was was Talia genuinely surprised? Just take us through the process, because I reckon a lot of blokes listening this morning will just bring back those that clammy hands feeling about the nerves around proposing. Oh, mate, if you ask Talia, I'm not the most organised bloke ever um, when it comes to that sort of stuff. So I was uh, scrambling a little bit and the language barrier, um, trying to organise a French photographer is quite hard as well. So um, I I sort of did my best and uh, it, the weather didn't really look after me, but um, it sort of came all together in the end. And uh, yeah, it was a special night. She was very surprised. We actually, um, yeah. We actually had a bit of a, a, a blow up about it at the start of the trip because I was trying to keep all these secrets. And uh, as, as you know, when you're travelling with just your missus, it's actually quite hard to get some alone time to organise all these things that you need to organise. So um, she was she was sort of half on to me, but I think um, she was very surprised in the moment, which was which was good. Oh, the most important thing is you got the answer that you wanted at the end of the day. Um, oh, and that's it, right. Yeah. How's, how's it all going? I'm back at work now. You've clocked back on with, you, with your teammates up there in Sydney. I mean, how are the, 
How the early weeks uh, treated you, and how's everyone looking? Uh, yeah, it's been oh, it's been bloody warm the last couple of weeks, that's for sure, which is a good thing. The boys are all looking nice and bronzed, but um, everyone came back in really good nick. Um, the the boys have put in um, some some good hours over the off season and ma- maintained their fitness, and uh, we're looking really good on the track, to be honest. I think um, it's probably the best I've I've seen. Um, as a collective, the, the group come back. Um, we've hit the ground running, and we're sort of straight into the to the tough stuff here, which is good. So, um, yeah, like I said before, we're just trying to build on on last year, and we we know that and we're well aware that it doesn't just happen. You don't just um, get back to finals, uh, as we found out in 2020, pretty pretty harshly. So, uh, what we're looking to do is build on what we what we created last year uh, and get even better because that's what the good teams. Um, have done the last couple of years. So. so so often, Harry, when when sides fall short, teams fall short in elite sport. You know they say, "Ah, oh, we we don't look back. We only look forward." But I, I think it's good to look back, and and it it sounds like you guys did because your year was you know a kick or two away from um, from you know playing off in the ultimate, and and you know it's it's as consistent a year as I've probably seen from GWS. So you did look back on the year very positively. Yeah, I, I tend to agree on that one as well. I think if if you don't look back on on the year that you had and um, reflect on what worked, what didn't work, um, then then you don't really learn much. So um, when we're definitely not um, hiding away from the fact that we improved and we and we made um, big gains in in what King is was was putting out as a game plan, but um, we aren't a finished product, that's for sure. And um, you see teams like Collingwood. Um, they, you have to back it up and you have to get better um, because every team and, and the, the, the competition was so even last year, that race for the finals was was really tight. So um, like I mentioned, it doesn't just happen and you have to actually learn from what went wrong in that year, what went right, um, what our strengths are and playing to those. And you've got Collingwood first up too, which has been a big part of the club's mission to, to be a feature in opening round of course. So straight back into the lines then first up. Yeah, we're uh, at the showground um, for first um, first round of the year, so it'll be it'll be awesome. I guess that's the ultimate test, the reigning premiers. So um, we'll definitely be looking forward to to welcoming them um, for. I think it's round zero now, isn't it? So, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So hopefully we get a nice big crowd um, with the rugby league away, and um, the the supporters really come out and and back us for a big year. I know Mason Cox is a big supporter of the venue and the concept. Will you, will you save something for Big Mason? <laughs> oh, I don't have much for him, to be honest. I think it's all it's all fun and games. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it's good banter, to be honest. And um, if, it, if that creates an atmosphere around the game, then it does. I think um, you, you have every right to, <laughs> to say what you want to say, but um, I guess you, you'd want to back it up. Toby, um, talking. Sorry, Harry. Talking about Toby Green. I, I, man, crush me. Love him. Love the way he goes about it. Looks to me as a you know, follow me and do what I do. Not so much do as I say. Or, or does he have a balance? He's a, he's a talker and a shower. Oh, I think that that's been the biggest part of Toby's evolution as a captain is is um, that balance. And um, you're probably right. He, he probably does lean towards the do what I do. He, he's not, he's not a 
outspoken person. He doesn't go in the media and, and speak a lot and stuff like that. But when he does, he's actually quite powerful. And, and something that he's really worked on is his ability to to reach the whole group and really create relationships and uh, and build a culture that um, is what a premiership team um, needs. So his, his development over, even over the last couple of years, being really close mates with him, um, the shift that he's made um, with the captaincy and his ability to, to work on those areas that he probably wasn't as strong as as far as speaking and stuff like that, that that's been his biggest gain and it's actually elevated his on-field performance as well I think with the extra um, uh, with the extra sort of strings to his bow so yeah definitely Forward or back for you Harry for the majority of next year? <laughs> I don't think we're playing this game again uh, <laughs> this pre-season guys I think I'll probably be starting down back so it'll be my first pre-season as a, as a back so I'm actually looking forward to um, actually training with, yeah. with guys like Sammy Taylor and Jack Buckley, Connor Ida and Witt, Pez, those guys, uh, instead of just sort of chopping in the middle of the year. Wouldn't be an interview if we didn't ask you. Um, and, then there's, and then there's a young fella, Aaron Cadman. So obviously, you know, came in with all the pressures of being the, the, the number, the, the pick that he was taken with, and we get all that. And he played a dozen games this year. So what are we expecting from him next year? Have you spent much time with him in the early part of preseason, maybe in, in some one-on-one stuff? Do you expect to? And what can we expect from Aaron going forward? Yeah, I, I've sort of uh, me and Aaron are pretty close, and um, we've sort of caught up a few times. And um, I guess it's it's hard to get a gauge off the first couple of weeks. But one thing I will tell you guys is he's come back in unbelievable nick. He's he's stronger. Um, he ran a he ran a PB two k um, and and he's really hungry. Um, I think one thing that, about Aaron is he's quite humble. He's not um, he doesn't get caught up. Uh, in, in all that sort of stuff. So um, he's got the right people around him to, to guide him through. And um, I think it was mentioned, he, he's played he's played a handful of games in his first year, which is more than certainly yeah. I can say. It's more than a lot of blokes can say um, for their first year. So that experience will be invaluable, whether he played as well as he wanted to or not. Um, he, he got those games in, under his belt, and now he builds on his... Um, uh, his uh, sorry, physical ability and his running, um, he's going to go from strength to strength. He's got the skills. We've seen the skills. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for a big year for Aaron, to be honest. Now, that's the, that's the footy stuff, Harry. But as far as the preseason goes, what about the other stuff? Now, you've got less time admittedly than what you had last year. So you had a couple of bonding sessions. And I was, I was particularly taken by the exercise where you had to separate the rice, brown from white. <laughs> um, has there been anything quite as crazy that's hit you this year from, from uh, Adam Kingsley? Uh, not yet, but thanks for reminding me for that. That was a bit of PTSD. Um, uh, uh, maybe don't mention it, mention it to him because we do have a camp in January and I really don't want to do that again. So. How, how long did it take you to sort through? Oh, I, it was over a couple of days, so we had to have it done by the end of the camp. Um, but we did, we, we sort of, we were in little groups um, and th- these are, big bags of rice, right? So it, we sort of sat down in a group in a circle. Oh, my God. <laughs> someone someone put on this shocking, like, uh, rock music or something, and we just locked in for a couple of hours. We were tired. It was, like, after dinner on the camp, so we were all tired. We'd been canoeing all day, um, and we're there separating rice. And I went to bed. I went to bed, and I think I was just still seeing 
grains of rice while I was laying in bed. So. <laughs> not counting sheep, <laughs> counting grains. Yeah. Did anyone yeah. snap? I mean, who broke first? Well, a few boys probably didn't pull their weight um, within their groups. I heard a bit of bickering. Um, <laughs> but um, I can't say the same about our group. We all put in a, an even effort and um, got the job done. It was actually really good to be able to sort of um, talk and, and sit there for a couple of hours and, and bond, which I guess is probably what the... Yeah what the um, task was, was built for. So, um, no, it was good, but hopefully that's not on the agenda this year. Sorry, mate. Harry, you sound to me as if you're really enjoying growing up in footy and you're becoming mm. you know, a senior member of, of GWS. Do you feel that? Because it sounds that way. Um, yeah, definitely. I think um, I've sort of made the, the transition from um, the, the younger half of the group to the older half of the group. And um, what the one thing that I'm really l- loving at the moment is um, the character of the young boys that are coming through, they're just so hungry to learn and, and, and get better. And um, if I'm able to help them, whether it's um, a little little thing like off the field, taking them for recovery or whatever that is. Um, we had dinner the other night and had really good chats with a few of the younger boys who I probably wouldn't um, catch up with. They're in a different line group, that sort of stuff. I think um, that sort of stuff's what's sort of really driving me at the moment. And, um as as us guys who have been in the system for a few years now are chasing that first premiership for Giants, I think you can we can sort of see that, that that's where we're going to get the gain is from those young guys who are coming through. Um, for them to be consistent um, this year is, is going to be a massive role in um, in how we go. So um, that's definitely an area that I'm looking to, to build on, yeah. I want to ask you just quickly before we let you go, uh, Harry, on um, Phoenix Gothard, who, who might have been one of the stories of the draft in the end, given his, his shock. He wasn't appropriately dressed at the draft either, <laughs> as such was his level of surprise. What, what's the kid like? It looked like he had a fair bit of spark about him. Uh, he did rock up with a shirt that fit him, which was good. Um, <laughs> on draft night there, I think he had a... Um, he had his... Uh, was it O'Sullivan's yep. jersey on? Or, yeah, so... Um, he, he, he's a good kid. Like I said, we've got our, our draftees this year are all very good characters and our recruiting team are, um, have nailed that the last couple of years, to be honest, as far as good characters that um, are humble and want to learn. So he, he's, he's been really, um, really good out on the track, as have all the other boys that we've, we've got in. Um, but Phoenix is, um, you can just tell with, with the way he moves and, um, and and the way that he's able to sort of create space for himself, he's gonna he's gonna add a big um, a big punch to that already sort of punchy forward line we've got there. Harry, it's awesome to talk to you, mate. Thanks so much for for taking the time out here today to joining us on on SEN. It sounds like you're in a great spot. The team's in a great spot. You've got a marvelous platform to go off for next year. So we we wish you well for the remainder of preseason and, and the season that comes thereafter. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. There is Harry Himmelberg there, newly signed, newly engaged, and set for a big, big year playing down back for Adam Kingsley's Giants. Scoob? AFL player doing a interview between 7 and 8, mm. not 8.40. No. Well, they're up early this time of the year, cracking on. He'd be on his way to work. I reckon if he's not there already for another day of suffering, I reckon. I love the suffering. Yeah. They do. Uh, they don't love the separating the brown the orange rice army, like from the white Kubota. rice. Kubota orange. Army. Yes.
There's a sponsorship deal there. No, they can't. Kubota are with us. We're going to take a break I'm after this. Or they should do the Giants. The good oil. Orange. That's a good idea of yours. Seldom. I'm going to step, not many, step you through. Not a bad one. I'm going to step you through this AFL document that was sent to the clubs oh, yesterday. Right after this. Walk to the check-in within minutes with Melbourne Airport's terminal parking. Book online at melbourneairport.com.au. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. The Good Oil for Cobram Estate. Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil. Grown, harvested and first cold pressed in northern Victoria. Yes, indeed. It is time for the good oil and Scoob's locked and loaded. He's got his wheat bix in his little bowl here. He's happy now. He's getting a little bit of uh, sustenance. But we've got the Braden Maynard rule now, Scoob. A huge memo sent to clubs yesterday by the league with a very long-winded title. Proposed amendments to the regulations and tribunal guidelines following a 2023 review. But it included a crackdown on players who leave the ground to smother, just like Braden Maynard did this year. And if they do then it is written now that they must show a greater duty of care to their opponents and reduce impact when making contact. For those living under a rock or uh, have moved on so quickly they've forgotten, Maynard was sent directly to the tribunal. That was the incident that left Angus Brayshaw concussed in the opening term of uh, the Melbourne Collingwood qualifying final. Maynard jumped. He tried to smother Brayshaw's kick. There was a four-hour hearing after the new football uh, general manager, Laura Kane, uh, intervened. But the tribunal eventually cleared Maynard, and he obviously went on to be a central player in Collingwood's premiership win. But that act will be outlawed next year. So I won't bore you with, in all seriousness, the technical wording of it, but it makes it clear that players must take more care and, quote-unquote, adopt a body position that minimises force. Now, I was reading this last night. I was like, it's not like this happens every week. It's not like this happened every season. In fact, I can't really remember an incident like it before. But anyway, now it's written into the rules and regulations um, that it can't be done. And maybe that's a good thing. Well, it is a good thing, for sure. Yeah. Because I think well, that was as polarizing a tribunal case as we've had for some time. Did Maynard, could he show to greater duty of care? Was there no other alternative once he was airborne? We went around in circles, around in circles. Ultimately, though, a player was concussed, missed the rest of the season. Early part of the game, everyone's probably a metre faster than what they usually are, so they're a metre closer by the time he's he yeah. you know he's got more power in his takeoff, all those sorts of things. You know, Angus has got more length in his stride because there's no lactic acid and he's mm. fresh. Or you know, so so contentious. And with everything we've spoken about concussion on this show and our little stint together this summer and the class actually, I mean, it, this is what we're going to see more and more of. I'm just as interested though in in what's been written up here in this memo. So many things in it, by the way, but a crackdown on rundown tackles. So the AFL is saying they have an area of concern around this year, the rundown tackles, where the tackler has, the AFL says, significantly contributed to the force a player is driven into the ground. So at the moment, there's thought given to things like, you know, double actions, slinging, spearing, lifting. We know all that. But they're going to cast the net even wider again. Now, again, I won't bore you with the the legal speak and mumbo-jumbo, but if you are going to lay a rundown tackle on someone this next year and, and you hurt someone it is going to be almost impossible to get off. Mm. Impossible. And we did see a couple this year. There was one at the SCG, escapes me, but it was a, a rundown tackle of sorts. And if a player is hurt in that rundown tackle incident, even though the arms aren't pinned, even though you're tackling with all the best intent in the world and they get hurt, you are going to be in big, big trouble. Was that young Blakey? 
I think it might have been, yeah, where it was momentum. Mm. But that's not going to be – it doesn't read like that's going to be an excuse there was anymore. Not, the, the old rule was you, you – and I, again, as a, a novice watching it, when there's a rundown taken out, there doesn't seem to be the duty of care of turning anyone. It, when you – even that momentum keeps yeah. you going straight forward and you would consider is that in the back or a rundown tackle, I would say down 90 out of 100, if not more – are paid for the rundown tackler, not in the back. Am mm. I fair in saying that? Uh, Am I seeing things? Uh, well, they try to turn them when they can, but sometimes it's impossible. No, but when you're going flat chat, yeah, it's too much velocity. Chat, you're both flat chat the same way. I, I don't see. I, I I think the in the back rule is relaxed when you do a rundown tackle. Mm. Fair. Yeah. Maybe not. Well. Yeah, no, a little. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're all so different, aren't they? Each and every case, and that's what makes it so hard to legislate our game. Um, so they're saying the AFL an area of concern this year has been the rundown tackles, where the tackling player significantly contributed to the force with which the tackle player is driven into the ground. So they're trying to cast the net wider over rundown tackles. Um, the other thing is in this memo, they're they're wanting to limit the AFL the tribunal hearings. There's too many tribunal hearings this year. So they want to limit those due to the costs. Now, incidents graded as severe, we know are sent straight to the tribunal. So that's a three-match minimum. There were 11 of those this year, Michael Christian. Severe, three-match minimum, straight to the tribunal. There was only one in 2022. So the AFL is saying that when they're seeking only the minimum three, nothing more, and the player is willing to accept that ban, there will be no hearing. So there'll be no going through the motion of the tribunal hearing. It's three weeks, severe grading, player accepts, yes, no tribunal. Now, the cost of going to the tribunal is currently $10,000 as well. It's written in this memo, and that is refunded if the club wins, but that's going to be increased to $13,000. So the soft cap li- limit is still set at ten if it's unsuccessful, but a 3K increase then on the cost to deter unnecessary cases. So they're wanting to cut down... On, uh, on the tribunal cases. There's all sorts of changing to the wording relating to high contact and forceful front on contact. I won't bore you with those, but there's a couple of weirder ones in here, Scoop. Have a listen to this. It's been written into this memo. Officials on the bench can no longer whistle. No more whistling from those on the interchange bench. Now, I assume that's whistling to come off, whistling to get a player's attention, whistling to do whatever. Some clubs do a lot of it, apparently, and the AFL has had some complaints, and there's going to be, you can't whistle on the bench anymore. No more wolf whistling. Not not with a not no. with an umpire's whistle. No, not with an umpire's whistle. Like if you're whistling your dog. Yeah. yeah. That's how the... well that's how it reads. That's how it reads. Oh yeah. And I always thought this was the case anyway, but it says no gloves without a valid medical reason exemption. Now, I think they already had to go to the AFL for all sorts of other equipment like arm guards and chest guards and rib guards and gloves and everything anyway to get special exemption, but it's written in anyway for gloves. Uh, this year, something the AFL are, are, are always aware of. Um, so just some of those changes. Massive document that uh, got sent out to the clubs yesterday. They read like a bunch of proposals, but at the same time, they read like they've already been decided. Billy's in Ascot Vale on the open line, which is one three hundred seven three six seven three six. How are you, Billy boy? Yeah, morning, gents. Yeah, it's quickly up um, new concussion um, protocol about this new bump rule. Usually when a team has a bad defeat or they didn't play for a lot of passion, the coach usually says at the press conference they better bring their mouth guard to training during the week. Do you think that phrase is going to be thrown out the window now? Yeah, well, it might be after those recommendations, Billy, from the from the state coroner. Um, look, the AFL will respond to that in a few months' time. But, um, yeah, boxing's been banned from training now as well. You can't do that. Bring your mouth guards to training might also be a... 
a phrase that I don't know. We can go too far with these sort of things. You can box we? with all the helmets and that on, can't you? You can't. You can't. Helmet box. Yeah, there was a crackdown on boxing though at training. No, I don't. I'm not sure you can anymore. I'm not sure you can punch against each other at training anymore. There was that incident at Hawthorne not too long ago where a player was was knocked out. I'll double check that. Josh is in Sunbury. Uh, how are you, Josh? Morning, boys. How are we? We're well. That's good. Um, I want to support the AFL here and most sporting organisations. I think their hands are tied. But there's not a lot they can do. They can't really afford to be um, having a three or four lawsuits up against the media for, for a player with historic concussion. But that, that's not why I called. The, the main reason why I called, and I think in society, and it's always this way, we always retaliate and never the instigator. And I think for us to truly stamp out concussion, I think they need to start suspending players who deliberately bend their knees and get contact to their own head because they're not taking due diligence to protect their own head. The amount of times you see, and I'll use Joel Sold as an example, the amount of times he would duck and get contact to the head. Now, for me, that should be an automatic one, two weeks. You don't do it. If you're going to suspend someone for accidentally tackling them, and you've got to suspend someone who's deliberately trying to get contact to the head to get a free kick. Yeah. Well, I, I just know, Josh, there's going to be some incidents next year, and we're going to come back to this document, I reckon, or when it is uh, officially tabled, and we're going to say this has been coming, but it's going to upset a few. Like, Sam, off the text, the rundown tackler getting done for an accidental injury when the tackle is done the correct way in the laws of the game and the player will get suspended. Are we serious? And, yeah, there was a crackdown on uh, Scoob, sparring and combat boxing sessions. It was Mitch Lewis, 2021, okay. who uh, was concussed. Um, so that was what the AFL were looking to um, do there. Oh, we've got a Pataki hand to give away. We've got the $100 Gazman voucher as well. A gift from us to you. Treat yourself to summer style at Gazman. Albert Park Mini Golf Family Pass for the school holidays. You can have your say on this memo or the cricket, which we'll circle back to in a moment, or anything at all in the world of sport. Uh, Alan, I know you're on the road. If you can just hold for just a couple more minutes, we need to take uh, the news headlines and we'll come back with you as we continue our conversation right here on Summer Brecky. Welcome back. Summer Brecky, Sam and Scoob with you. Just the officials on the bench not being able to whistle as per this memo from the AFL Scoob. Got a text here. The whistling was driving me insane this season. It was really noticeable during Western Bulldogs games from 5-3-0. Whistling from the bench now being... Uh, disallowed by the AFL. Alan's been waiting on the road. He's been very patient. Thanks for thanks for doing so, Al. Good morning, guys. Uh, just I was going to call earlier in the week when um, you guys were talking about CTE and effect. One thing that uh, Mr. O'Donnell said that actually it makes sense, but actually helmets and any kind of like in boxing, I've boxed all my life and box with headgear. That doesn't. I've actually been concussed while I've had the headgear on, and I tell you, it's not I think the we effect. Just... Oh, we just sorry, lost him, or I've just lost everything in here. No, sorry, I've, still, you... I've still got your Alan. Keep going. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, it's not the blow that gets softened up by a helmet or, or a headgear. It's the movement of the brain inside the fluid that hits the, the outer walls of your, yeah. your skull. And that, that in itself, and over time, and CT, and you know, the Americans, I lived in the States for nine, ten years. They've actually, they've actually tried to... Um, shut this down. They've known about CTE since the early 80s, but unfortunately it doesn't matter if you wear a helmet or a headgear. The only way to stop it is to stop um, tackling, which is not doable. I mean, the game, our game is beautiful because of the shepherds and tackles and, and you can't stop those kind of uh, incidental accidents. But uh, I just want to assure you, 
that I've been concussed twice wearing a headgear in boxing, and and it wasn't from a heavy weight boxer or anything like that. I mean, I'm only yeah. at the best 78 kilos. So I just wanted to say that. Yeah, thank you, Alan. Um, yeah, I, I, look, I don't think any rule is going to be perfect, but uh, the, the safer we make it for the, the players out in the field uh, in the long run, uh, I, I think uh, that's going to be better. Brendan joins us quickly from Elfington. G'day, Brendan. How are you, mate? Uh, Simon, I uh, was playing footy for White Rise when you were playing for... Uh, what was that horrible bloody team you played for as a junior? Um, anyway, mate, listen... Uh, fries. So you, you, you wore those bloody Pooh Brown jumpers? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but ter- terribly sad to, uh, to tell everybody that you kicked this, uh, an absolute bucket load of goals against us in 1979. Anyway, mate, get back to the case, though. The thing, if the AFL is going to bring in something, can they can they stop players? You know, when they run down a player, they tackle him, they bring him to the ground, it's holding the ball, and then they feel like they've got to shove that player's head into the turf, or you know, give them one in the chest or whatever. You know, I just reckon it's weak, and I reckon we, you know, it's not a good thing uh, in the game. Yeah, Brendan. You see a bit of it, um, and it is that sort of, you know, gotcha moment where I think the opponent tries to get that little bit of... Adrenaline's you know, pumping. I, yeah, I'm around, don't forget I'm here, and I just won that contest and there's more to come, that sort of that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think that's an adrenaline thing. I, sometimes I reckon it looks really poor in rugby league. Not I, I haven't noticed it. As bad in in footy, Brendan, and I hope it doesn't get to a to a level that's uh, offensive. But I think it, it, it's just a bit of flex the muscle stuff that um, that people like to take into that contest every now and then. Brendan, I love an anecdote when it comes to Simon, and they will be rewarded. So I'll flick you the Bataki ham. It simply wouldn't be Christmas without a Bataki ham. The man is so modest, and he's a vault. So anything we get on him will be uh, will be will be heavily welcomed. So I'll get you that ham. Uh, Thanks for joining. Good school white fries are a good good school. I played against them once as well. Now, just for those interested, worried, what concerned. Hard spending your life going to school in a poo brown blazer. <laughs> the proposed change when it comes to the rundown tackle. This is exactly how it's worded from the AFL as per this uh, memo. They say, amend the guidelines to provide that in determining whether the application of a tackle constitutes a reportable offence, regard may also be had to whether in the case of a rundown tackle, the tackling player significantly increased the force with which the tackled player was driven to the ground. So you could lay the perfect rundown tackle, but if you increase the force and that player's head hits the deck, you're in massive strife, as as it's written in this, mm. in this memo. Now, there's going to be one of those at some stage, and it's going to cause everyone to go cuckoo bananas, I reckon, but that's how it's written in. Tim's in Brighton. How are you, Timmy? Yeah, good. Thanks, Sam. G'day, Sam. I just want to, uh, Simon. I just want to talk about um, the civil war ending with um, Netball Australia and uh, and the players, which I think, you know, was long overdue, of course, and everyone knows that, you know, the, the conditions that have been placed around that with the pay increase and backdated pay and so forth. But I just want to mention Kelly Ryan. Um, I just thought it was really inappropriate. Not inappropriate. I just didn't think it was very good timing that she was pumping her tyres up uh, on her way out. And with all the achievements that she um, uh, had made, and uh, I just look out for um, her making a move. I think there's a vacant position in the ASLW. 
Uh, well, there is at the very top of the tree. Um, look, I mean, I think that's just brand protection, Tim, isn't it? She resigns instead of being told to resign or being fired and then, you know, list the achievements on the way out. I mean, that that is a template that is followed regardless of the sport, isn't it? I mean, she's got to try and do that. I mean, yeah, she's a career to. CEO. She's got so, moving on to somewhere career else. Career corporate. So she, she needs to be have as clean a slate as possible to, to move on yeah. to the next job. Uh, having said all that, Tim, I think uh, absolutely she was in big, big strife and it was probably only, it was a matter of when and, and not if she would vacate the position. Uh, hang on the line, uh, Tim, you'll flick you the $100 Gazman voucher, a gift from us to you. Treat yourself to summer style at Gazman. We're going to talk some more cricket, don't worry. We spent most of the first hour talking cricket, it must be said. So we'll circle back to the first test for those of you frothing for that. And how about this? The whistling what? rule is 100% aimed at the Bulldogs. Interchange, Stuart. I'm a Bulldogs member. It drives me insane hearing it constantly through the effects. Mike, this from Joe, absolutely can confirm there was excessive whistling at Bulldogs games. Drives me insane. Yeah, who knew? Back after this. Walk to the check-in within minutes with Melbourne Airport's terminal parking. Book online at melbourneairport.com.au. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Great to have your company on Summer Breakfast as well as we head towards the 8 o'clock news. On the other side, Brisbane's AFLW head of football, Brianna Brock. They won the premiership, the Brisbane Lions, and then they were involved in the mega trade to all end all mega trades. 12 players, 11 clubs yesterday on deadline day. In that exchange period, uh, Aidan Corr is going to join us in the North Melbourne Leadership Group again. And Tom Morris, as we talk cricket before handing over to Julian uh, to stoop. Billy, no harm at whistling at the dogs. That's what they like, says Bill, with a boom, boom, tish off the 40 wings temper. 04339881116. Gentlemen, where are all the Davy Warner hate calls this morning? Hope they all choked up at, uh, at over dinner last night when Davy raised his bat. Uh, an all-time great. So David Warner, silencing the critics. 164 on a dominant day for the Australians. And upon reaching triple figure Scoob, he gave the trademark leap. And then the shush, shh, a quiet little shush to his critics. And he said this after the day's play. No, it's just anyone who wants to write stories about me and, you know, trying to use headlines, get headlines. That's, that. That stuff doesn't bother me. It's just the fact that I have to go out there, do what I have to do, and I'm allowed to celebrate how I want. He's 26th Test Century, 164. Australia 5 for 346. He raced 41 balls it took for the first 50 for him. And then uh, the opening session partnership at 116 with Usman Khawaja, opening stand at 126. So this was the emphatic response um, from David Warner. Everything that made him who he is as a cricketer, um, the belligerent with the bat, aggressive, between the wickets with his running, with his shot selection, and I want to say largely chanceless. I know he's dropped on 104 maybe, a difficult one. If, if ever you want to understand it, I reckon of, it's a little thing of David Warner and just how much he puts into his cricket and how much he loves playing for Australia. You got beaten by the off-spinner, whose name uh, loses me just for the minute, Hit the wicketkeeper on the left shoulder. Yes. Went to the first slip. He was down. The, he was done. He was cooked. If the keeper took it, he was cooked. He then scrambled back to his crease. The first slip threw at the stumps, missed the stumps. Now, even before he turned around, he saw where the angle of the ball was going, which was going to go down to long on, 
and he knew the long on he knew the mid on was back. He turned and swiveled around and called for a single immediately. Now that just shows you how good David Warner is. So it, 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 no run to him. A lot of guys would have gone back and thought, "Oh, whew, I'm still here." His first thing was, "There's another run for Australia right now." Now sounds silly, but to me, sitting on the couch watching yesterday, you thought, "Wow, we." His presence of mind to what he has to do and who he's representing and, and how to do it as best he can was all encapsulated to me in that ball. Now, there's been a lot of these texts land, by the way. This is from Beetle, the most recent, but there's been plenty. It doesn't matter how many runs Warner scored yesterday. His form didn't warrant his selection as it didn't for the previous Indian and English tours, and that was proved by his performances. One of our greats, but that doesn't mean you ignore for three years. No, you, you don't ignore them, but there was no one better to do his role. The bottom line is... Well, he, people would argue would well, argue well, that. Well, you, well, you, can't, you can't argue you with can't. that. You know, Harris had his chance to do it. Bancroft had his chance to do it. They weren't able to do it but then. And what, they more believed, could, what more could Cam Bancroft have done over the last 12 months? Make runs when he had the chance to make runs when he was in playing for Australia. How long ago was that? But, but that's because How he... How long he, ago was that? <laughs> But That's years ago. The selectors are saying he is more worthy surely than the any of the other guys at the moment. Surely he's done everything he could possibly do at Shield level since then. That was a long time ago. Put, it, put him in. Put That's him what in. people are saying. At least give him a look. Like, it, well, where's the integrity? Those people of should register and pick the Australian team because the Australian selectors and the Australian coaching well, they staff do on the forty wings temper and the Australian <laughs> coaching staff are saying that David Warner is the best option to open the batting for Australia, even when he's averaging 22 and 25. Yeah. And I don't like the fact that we just dismissed the 164. People coming through, oh, flat track bully, at home, you know. He made 40. I don't like that part of Marnus it. Marnus Labashane didn't make 164. Steve Smith didn't make 164. I mean, give the bloke a break. All he right. goes out and just goes crunch. Let's and see. everyone still wants to stick the boots in. Now, I'm, I'm not the greatest fan of him. But I tell you what, what he does for his country and what he has done is absolutely superb, and he deserves a lot better than some of these lightweights here and what they say about him. Walk to the check-in within minutes with Melbourne Airport's terminal parking. Book online at melbourneairport.com.au. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Geez, you've just poured some petrol down the hornet's nest here, Scoob. The temper text has lit up. Scoob telling it straight. How on earth can anyone knock a bloke that just made 164 in a test match? Fans gone mad. Enjoy this great team while we can. Well, don't worry about that, uh, Mr. 101 texter. Plenty of people can and are getting stuck into David Warner. Tim, David Warner only cares about David Warner. You wouldn't see anyone else carry on the way he does celebrating himself. <laughs> Mick the Vic in Adelaide. The fact is, he remains a cheat, and he soured my love for the mighty game of Test cricket. He's taken the place of an Australian who would truly value the honour of wearing the baggy green. He hasn't silenced me one bit. I can't wait until I'm thrilled again to applaud the deeds of an Aussie opener. And this is a measured one from Don. Come on, sod. Bancroft has averaged 58 in his past 35 innings at shield level. Renshaw has averaged 52 in 2022-2023 and was on the Indian tour, made 100 not out last week. Harris has spent two and a half years sitting in the squad, hardly getting any chance to return to form, but has obviously not done the job this season on Spicy Wicket. So Don's saying, Bancroft has the runs on the board. Give him a shot. Give the selectors a call, Don. They could change it. They don't think the same way Don thinks. 
Cricket updates for Hallow Home Loans. Is your money Hallow? I want to continue this. Get Hallow Home Loans investments and super with Hejaz Financial Services. Oh, boy. We'll pause for the news. After the headlines, we'll talk some AFLW. And then we've got to get back to David Warren. Walk to the check-in within minutes with Melbourne Airport's terminal parking. Book online at melbourneairport.com.au. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Well, Simon, I think it's fair to say the AFLW competition yesterday redefined what we consider a, a mega trade. We might have to come up with a new name for this. 11 clubs, 12 players, 24 picks tied into one deal before the transfer deadline. Premiers Brisbane are one of the 11 clubs involved. And the head of football, Brianna Brock, joins us. Brianna, this was all sorts of madness yesterday. Welcome to you. Uh, thank you. Yep, it was a busy time yesterday. I'm not even sure how we canvassed this, but, I mean, how did it come about? How, how was the idea first raised that you could get a deal done involving so many clubs, so many players and so many picks tied to a single deal? And, and not only that, but right on the on the doorstep of the deadline, of course. Yeah, I, look, I think it stemmed um, probably from Western Bulldogs. I think they had their, they were obviously very active through the trade period and needed to get a lot done. Um, and to get that done, they needed a, a lot of um, things to, you know, dominoes to fall. So um, from there, I think, you know, the AFL kind of helped facilitate through that period as well. And, um yeah, it was lots and lots of phone calls yesterday. And, and were you the first of the um, 11 clubs to actually green light it? Were you the first to, to tick it off? Would that be right? Oh, no. I, I was I was actually not that happy with it, to, right. <laughs> to be honest. We, um, uh, no, we were, we were the last ones um, to agree. And I, I, I don't know. I was sort of um, a bit frustrated with it at the end there because we didn't really need to be involved, really. Um, mm. But. To, to help some other clubs get some things done, um, we, we were able to, able to step in and and help there. So it's a little bit different in AFLW. You know, we're still an emerging competition and um, we need competitive balance as, as much as we can get. And, and if you can um, chip in and, and do your little bit, then, you know, often teams are, are happy to help out where there's no real net effect on their own position. Another AFL team helping out another AFL oh, no, team, Brianna. You're in the of. wrong industry, Brianna. <laughs> oh, look, it's kind of been the spirit of AFLW since the beginning. Um, you know, we all really had to band together to, to get the comp started and um, progressing and developing. So we do have a pretty good um, collegiate, you know, um, spirit of working together when we need to. And, you know, a lot of us have got really good relationships with each other footy managers and things like that. And um, if it's for the greater good, uh, you can always, you know, put your own um, club's own interest. If, as I said, if there's no kind of real effect on where you stand um, to see everything else happen. So, Brianna, from the victory this year, Craig Stasevich, the coach. Congrats I, for that, by yeah, the way. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> So, <laughs> thanks, guys. So you sit down, you 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 review that, and say, you know, how, how do we get better? Every club wants to get better. Uh, how how does Brisbane get better? You know, for next year, what what have you identified to take you then to the next level? Because the challenges now come; they mirror what you've done, and they they say, you know, that 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 breeds success. What do you have to do to stay at that level of top dog next year? <laughs> Yeah, look, it's a question we ask ourselves every year and 
essentially the main, I guess, building block of our success is the team's buy-in. So we've got a, a group of um, really dedicated trainers. The girls, you know, they'll have one more week, probably that footy trip this weekend, and by the end of that week, they'll be saying, oh, we're bored. Can we come back and we'll start training? You know, they're just really, really dedicated to their own personal growth as players and as people as well. So they really drive the standards. So they're always looking to improve, you know, if even if it's 1%. So that drives a lot of that improvement. I mean, look at Ali Anderson, who was the league BNF winner in season seven and drives herself to another club BNF and an, an outstanding season this year. So they're the types of people that really set the standard collectively. So if we can get a bit out of everybody, that always helps us go forward. We've um, just added some more tall stock to our we've, we've been a bit short the last couple of years so we've just brought in um Eleanor Harthill from uh West Coast Eagles just to give us another kind of 180 plus player in our stock so that's really good and and for us we're um developing some really great talent up here in Queensland through our local leagues and our academy mm. and and that always you know has served us really well with we're a nearly 90% Queensland born team um, so we've this year only got four players that are not um, drafted out of Queensland in that premiership side. So, you know, it's sort of always back to the drawing board, back to homegrown um, talent whenever we kind of lose players or get raided or that kind of stuff. And um, that's been both myself and Craig's, you know, background from before we came to AFLW working in um, talent and participation in Queensland. So it's a, it's a, pretty um important part of what we're building and you know if you cast your mind back to the boys um sort of just before the girls were starting we had to go home five and Mm. you know players coming up here and doing their two years and going so we kind of didn't really want to have that same be faced with that same situation so we've sort of always really gone for our um locals because yeah they they generally stay home and good support networks to help them you know, try to achieve what, what we're trying to do here. So it, that's a bit of what we do. It is amazing what you've done. I mean, five grand finals, two premierships as well. And, and you know, what has almost been an annual event because AFLW exchange or trade period is so volatile, Brown, or is you've been picked off on an almost annual basis and not just any players, but some of the best players in the competition as well. So you, it looks as though you arrested that uh, tide this time around anyway. You've kept, without disrespecting the players that were traded, you've kept the majority of your, of your list together that you really sought to do, if not all of them, I think? Yeah, pretty much everybody who played in the in the grand final. We've um, traded Mickey Porger to GWS, who's sort of, you know, in and out of the team and yeah. um, just sort of looking for a bit more security long-term with a, with a longer-term contract that they offered her compared to us. So, yeah, outside of that, um, that, that full list is... Um, competing again next year for us and we're just in the throes of um, being finally able to do you know kind of longer term deals we've never really had that in the AFLW before so there'll be a whole host of re-signings you know announced over the next kind of month or so Um, but yeah essentially you know I really we had an extra four players on our list this year with injury replacements so we, we had a bigger list anyway, so um, you sort of felt like in the trade period, God, it feels like we're, you know, yeah. moving on all these players, but we, ha- we had to get um, four to new homes anyway, and then to get back to, we've got to take two empty spots to the draft anyway, um, so we have a few more to go there, and um, yeah, we've been able to find some of our players who haven't even played a game, new homes, and um, that's really good 
you know, for us that these girls get to continue their AFLW journey and, you know, they don't have to be delisted, which is horrible for everyone involved. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're really happy that they're all um, going on and, and see what they do at other clubs. And I don't want to embarrass you here, Brianna, as we let you go, but we also need to congratulate you, not just for the premiership, but uh, on a personal front, being inducted in the Queensland Football Hall of Fame as you were last Friday. That is magnificent. So congratulations for that as well. That would have been a big night. Yeah, oh, it was lovely. Well, I actually missed the, the proper Hall of Fame event because we were playing our round 10 game against Melbourne. Right. So um, I'd sort of said to Craig, oh, you know, what do you think? Should I go to the event? Should I, you know, come to the game? He's a nah, bro, no, no, got to come to the game, mate. <laughs> Leave that stuff. So, um, um, so at our best and fairest, they, they sort of surprised me and um, presented me with it all and awesome. all of that. So it was re- really, really lovely. And um, yeah, nice kind of, um, icing on the cake, I suppose, of what's been an absolutely incredible year. Hey, there was just one other question, actually. Just um, I wasn't going to ask you this, but the McClellan Trophy that was obviously won by Melbourne and the and the method of which it was it is um, designed and engineered, it, which is purely on wins and losses, I think, across both competitions. It, would you? And this is a difficult one for you to answer, given that you've you've won the premiership. But would you be advocating for a change on that front for the McClellan? Oh, look, I think it's difficult, right, because not everybody plays finals. So, you know, you could have a um, – yeah, I think it's hard. If you want to make it even, you know, then you've got to get yeah, – it has to be home and away. If you want to really pick the best, then it has to be finals. So I guess it's just defining, yeah. you know, what are we really looking for in that. And, yeah, I mean, we've had both our men's and women's team make the grand final and yeah. one team's managed to win one. So you'd you'd sort of have to argue that, you know, maybe we have been the best performing um, club this year. So, yeah, million dollars wouldn't go astray. And I'm sure our CEO, Swanee, is, um, he's right on that bandwagon for sure. But, you know, it is what it is. And, you, you know, no one sort of argues the rules at the start. It's only kind of what doesn't fall your way at the end. Mm-hmm. But, uh, look, I think it's a great initiative. I was sort of a bit, you know, this is a bit odd um, when it first started. But certainly um, got a lot of other people around clubs, you know, boards and people like that that maybe aren't as interested in the women's side of the game, um, a lot more interested in the results of their women's teams and, and how they're going. And essentially that's what it's for is to drive interest in that and then be like, oh, do they need some more money or what more support could we give them and how can we help with their performance? So I think it's a great initiative in, in terms of driving that, which is really good. Well, Brianna, congrats again on the season. Congrats on the Hall of Fame induction and congrats on even just understanding that mega trade yesterday, 12 players, 11 <laughs> clubs 24 picks uh, appreciate your time and enjoy a nice bit of rest whenever you get it yeah thanks very much guys there's brianna brock there head of football brisbane's aflw team uh always a contender that team um great to talk to her i'll tell you what some feedback coming through on david warner that uh, we're just gonna have to get to it just keeps pouring in here scoob whether you love him whether you hate him whether he should be in the team whether he shouldn't um, some people having it, some people are not, and that will forever be the case with this man. Uh, it's just the way it is. Um, this man, though, his approval rating is oh, always high. Very always, high. Always very high. high. No such issue for this man. Let's get to him now. Walk to the check-in within minutes with Melbourne Airport's terminal parking. Book online at melbourneairport.com.au. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Busy, busy show as well for a Friday. Plenty happening yeah. both here and overseas. Lots of guests as well, and it's been a great ride. The Sam Texas Ed- Bull, we haven't seen him since that early news break, so I've got a funny feeling 
The old locomotive took the bull out. Oh, horns on the loose over yep. there in Texas. We'll come back to that. The uh, locomotive got him. But we need to get to uh, this man because North Melbourne oh, yesterday announced its six-man leadership group, Scoob, for uh, for 2024. Now, Aiden Court is back in that group, but the Roos need him back in training. The defender was said to have suffered a nasty ankle injury up on the Gold Coast earlier this month. But Aiden joins us on the line this morning, which is great. Aiden, welcome aboard. Welcome back to SEN. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, lads. Now, I need to ask you, how is the ankle? Because this sounded particularly nasty. Can you put us at ease here? What's going on? Yeah, uh, the ankle's all right. It um, it wasn't in great shape before it went down, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just re- sort of yeah, we tweaked, tweaked a few uh, ligaments, but um, oh, I've got a big boot on. It's a little bit of carry on, but um, I'll be hopefully out of that within the next week and and moving again. So it's not all doom and gloom. I finally dodged a few bullets with the uh, the big ones in the ankle, which yeah, is nice. Yeah, didn't but, have um, a lot of luck. No, no, your no, teammates felt it, it was. Right yeah, few of your teammates. Uh, my whispers uh, said you know, it was a bit hot up there and you need a bit of time off, a bit of time oh. to yourself on the coast. <laughs> yeah, well, they have been looking after the old boys a little bit, so that was nice. And I was still out there, so I thought I might fake the ankle. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aiden, when, ideally, when do you think you'll be, in all seriousness, back in, in, in full training proper? Yeah, they're, they're looking we, – we've sort of put like a six to ten-week mark. It, it all depends on your ankle range and how quickly you can get it going. So eight would be a middle point, eight weeks, and it's been a week already, so not too bad. Okay. Um, yeah, just a bit annoying over the Christmas break and all your rehabbing and all that sort of stuff, but, um, you know, it's all part of the gig, so we'll get stuck into it. Yeah, and I guess North Melbourne supporters look at it and go, crikey, Spenny Mackay's left us. Uh, poor old Griffin Lowe's gone down with that long-term injury, and, and we can't afford to lose you as well. But Charlie Commons um, going to play back next year. Has, has he looked in the, in the preseason in the early stages, um, if you don't mind, Aiden? No, of course. Um, yeah, he's looking good. He's a big boy, Charlie. Um, he's put on some good size. He's strong, reads the ball really well, and he's he's super motivated at the moment to um, to learn. So I'm talking like any spare time you've got, try duck out and grab a coffee, and he's grabbing you to go up, do vision, um, watching tapes. Uh, we've obviously got Jed Aycock there teaching us a lot as well. So, yeah, we're, he's super motivated. He wants to learn everything he can. Um, he just wants to play. He wants a clean run. Talk about getting been unlucky um yeah he just wants a clean run at it and if we can get him going he'll be a huge asset for us Jeez, uh, there's some excitement in the noise coming out of Arden Street at the minute Aiden you can hear it in your voice when I mean, you guys just seem to be having a really good time piecing together what you're going to be for 2024 and it, it sounds really positive yeah it does and uh it, it feels it and to be fair the club rooms last year like if you walked in, you wouldn't have thought we'd lost that many games in a row or whatnot. It was a really good feel. Like, they're really good lads here. Um, everyone's buying in. No one's turning on each other. And things started turning a little bit late for us and at the end of the year there. We started playing a lot better footy. But, you know, you got to win. Um, so we're, in, we're very interested in winning. We've picked up some good assets um, in the off-season. Um, there's a touch of class there. Those boys bring a bit of experience and class to the group. And sort of that finishing touch finishing touch we were sort of missing I felt a little bit um so yeah we're really excited that you know the bulk of it's there we just got to put it all together now Aiden the leadership group so Luke McDonald Josh Simkin back as the co-captains you're in there as well but there's six of you but I want to ask you about Harry Sheasel who's in there at 19 I mean is he 19 going on 39 can you let us into this <laughs> this kid I mean has he ever been a kid <laughs> he's incredible isn't he he's um you know he's sort of what you want your son to be like he um 
he just has a major influence over the group already. And the bulk of our group is pretty young. So for him to be in there, he is touching base with a lot of those guys that on a regular basis on the off-field and on-field. So he was voted in by his peers. He, he does everything right. He doesn't miss. Obviously, he's consistent. Um, we've only seen it over a year, but he hadn't missed that year. And, you know, he's a really humble, good kid. He works hard. He pushes the group. Um, and everyone listens to what he has to say. So I think he's a perfect candidate to be in there, regardless of age. Aiden, when you have a coach like Alistair Clarkson, who's had so much success as a playing group and particularly young players, when, when they look at him and they hear him talk, what sort of effect do you think it has on those younger guys and what sort of effect does it have on you? Is there an instant confidence that, that comes across the group because of the guidance you're getting? Yeah, no, there definitely is. It's it's sort of like you just really trust what's coming out of his mouth because you know it works. Um and, and the coaches around him would feel the same. And he's teaching them the, the ways as well. It's also a little bit like you hear something around oh, like a little a way to do something. You're like, what have I been doing for the last 10 years? That would have been handy at the start of my career. Um, mm. So just little tips and tricks that he, that he has along the way. But yeah, the, the confidence you get from just the game plan and what he's saying and gives you so much confidence out there. And, and we're getting to the stage now where like you almost know what the other position's doing. So... I can roll and expect my winger to be there, which is just which all the good teams would have. Um, and he really gives us that confidence to go for it and have a dip. And the boys are doing the training, are looking good. And I was still learning, obviously. There's parts of it that aren't clicking perfectly, but that's coming and it's coming quick. Um, and like I saw it in the past with the Giants, so things do turn really quick, uh, and it's exciting. What about these young kids that have come in? It was a big haul of young talent, another big injection that, that came in. Tell us about some of these some of these young kids. Mate, uh, Colby McKercher looks like he's just nailed on to be a star. Yeah, he's a smooth mover, isn't he? He moves really well off half-back. We've got a few boys running off half-back at the moment, actually. Uh, it'd be nice if a few of them hung around to defend. But, uh, <laughs> they, um, no, he's, he's a super kid. He's a, he just wants to work hard. Um, I've got, um, spent a lot of time with, Finbar, uh, the fellow we picked up in the rookie draft, he lives down the road for me. He's a serious character. He works hard. He just wants to get better and get amongst it with the lads. Um, and Big Will Dawson, he's um, man, these kids are coming in massive these days. Yeah. If you're not 200, you're not playing key position anymore. I know, so, I know. Um, he's actually, it's his foot I landed on when I rolled my ankle, so I was calling him a bit of a sniper there for a bit. Um, but he's a good kid. Um, just a competitor. He's a um, good country fella, and I'm really excited for what he can bring to us as well. Aiden, do you set yourselves where you'd like to be? And again, without you know, everyone wants to win the flag. You know, from a realistic point of view, is there something? Is there a plan you guys talk about to say, you know, look, our acceptance is only at that level? Yeah, well, we talk about silverware all day, every day. But like you said, only one club can win it, and everyone's trying to. Uh, we haven't put a number on anything. Um, we're just striving for improvement. We just need to improve. It's not only for ourselves, but our fans and the whole process. Um, we just need to get better. And, and I, don't, I don't want to come out here and put a number on it, but um, like every team should be pushing for finals, mm. realistically. That's where you want to be playing. Um, so yeah, you can put a number on that. But yeah, that's what we're striving for. We just want to get there to have a chance at it. Um, and we've been a fair way off that last four years. But do you understand that it's not a giant leap? You know, I don't think it's you know, from bottom to top. I, I think some people think it's insurmountable. It's, it's it's massive and it's going to take such a journey. It, it, the right personnel, confidence and coaching method, you know, I, I, th- 
I think it's – do you think it's a not an easier job but um, more achievable than sometimes people say it is? Oh, definitely. We don't need to reinvent too much. Just like, I think last year I might have been – I can't remember how many games we lost by under 10 points. And that's, that's two kicks. Um, you win those and all of a sudden you've got seven or eight wins on the board and there's that confidence that you're talking about and the rest can come from that. Um, no, I don't think it's a massive job. Uh, like you said, it's the personnel – and that old saying of getting the right people on the bus and we've got Clarko driving it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's not a huge jump, but there's hard work in between those two goals. If Clarko's not listening, call him a bus driver. We ask him for tickets. I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aiden, what's the plan for Chrissy then? Uh, just getting away from footy for a moment. What's the plan for the little break? Yeah, I will. Um, we won't travel too far. My wife is, um, we're 34 weeks pregnant. Yes, so congrats. We've got a young one on the way in Jan. So, yeah, you can't venture too far away. I've done all my birthing classes, so <laughs> I know what I need to do, which is not much, but just there to support. Um, yeah, so we're just preparing for that. Um, a little bit of time away down at the beach, but nothing too crazy. Uh, that's that's great. That's going to be a great time in your life uh, for you and Kate. So we wish you both, we both well, of course, and for the safe arrival of your your little new member of the family, Aiden, And um, look, good luck getting over this injury as well when it comes to the, the day job and hope to see you back out there sooner rather than later. I appreciate that. Thank you very much for having me. Good man, Aiden Core there, back as part of North Melbourne's leadership group. Aiden just reminded me of something I thought of yesterday that I wanted to discuss with you this morning. I know you've got the rig of the year happening. Yes. I think you should start another list. Of? Which you can run from Christmas onwards is the strutter of the year. The strutter of the, the strutter. year. Because, you know, all the photos are about to come in the paper from Christmas right through to mid-January of the boys, you know, with the you know, possibly the budgie smugglers on or you know, a tight short, you know, a Bonds undie type thing coming out of the surf, that sort of stuff. Just as I, we... I think, I think you uh-huh. know, there, there's a few guys that don't mind just wandering up and down the surf, you know, saying... <laughs> Just before we get to the headlines, I made a, a note of our rigs of summer. Sadly, we won't see Bailey Smith anymore, but he's our Hall of Fame entrant. We've got Jake Kelly, Finn McGuinness, Sam Durham, Isaac Quainall, Marcus Windhager, Dylan Shield, Mitch Owens, and we'll add to that as our preseason continues. Those who are cut from granite scoob, and you just have to admire the work they've put I'm into the rig. I'm if I don't hear you've done a strutter of the summer. News headlines. <laughs> And you'll hear it all from midday right here at SEN as well as Australia resume their innings. Uh, They are in control at the moment. But David Warner was always going to be a talking point once the Aussies won the toss and chose to bat one way or the other. We were going to be discussing him this morning. And Sam is in Keelor Downs on the open line. G'day, Sammy. Uh, Good morning, Sam and Simon. Look, I'm a big David Warner fan. And I think he's test record speaks for itself over eight and a half thousand runs in a uh, a career of over 109 tests over 6,000 runs in one day cricket uh, he averages in test cricket over 44 he scores over 160 odd yesterday and still people want to bag him uh, they're having a go at this guy for the way he celebrates and as you would say, Simon, give me a spell. He's not only a great, he's not only a great cricketer in my view, but an entertainer. Just have a look at the way he hit that six when he was undulanced yesterday. Mm. But 
also through all his career, he's been entertaining to watch. And to all those people who want to bag him, uh, go and have a look at yourself in the mirror and what you will see is a Grinch, an un-Australian person who's having a go at someone who's trying to do good for his country in a national sport. Sam, I agree with you um, completely, and, and whether you, you love him or hate him, you say un-Australian, good mate of mine, I said earlier today in the show, text me, he was at the pub watching the cricket last night, David Warner brought up his 100, and he said it was basically silence in a full hotel. No one cheering, saying, well done, you know, Davey, nothing, or clapping, nothing. But they, you know, they're watching I mean, the cricket. They were just tucking into their parlour no, and pop. And that's, that's where he's, how polarising he is. But you've mm. got to give credit where credit's due. And, and, and again, I, I'm not going to go through life saying I was, I've been the greatest fan for the last three years. But the selectors have been right. They said there's no better option, and they've left him there. But I, I still think that, you know, um, for, for all these, the ups and downs of his uh, activities on field that, you know, I, I think he's, he did the crime, he'd done the time. You know, he still made 100 for Australia yesterday. You, you've got to give him credit for that. Sam, for calling in and taking the time to do so, I'll flick you the Albert Park at Mini Golf Family Pass for the school holidays if it takes your fancy. So most test runs ever for Australia. Now goes Ponting, Border, Steve or Steve Smith. David Warner is there. He went past Michael Clark and Matty Hayden yesterday. We How need to take that? a break, but just quickly, such a shock watching the cricket yesterday to find out that Cameron Green has cro- chronic kidney disease. And he's at the. there's five stages to it, and the fifth stage requires a transplant, diocese, and all sorts of nasty stuff. He's currently at stage two. His family were told there was a chance that uh, their boy might not live past 12. His kidneys are only operating at 60%. It's irreversible. Could get worse at any time, whatever. It's horrible news. What a young champion that he's been able to carve out the career that he's done with that degenerative condition that he was diagnosed with at birth. That was amazing that uh, he got up and spoke about that with the, with the help of his family yesterday because he'd never spoken about it publicly until now and wants to raise some awareness for the cause. Uh, we'll take your calls throughout the show on the IMAR open line, of course, one 736 We'll continue our cricket conversation with one of the sharpest eyes of the game on the other side. Tommy Morris oh. is going to join us to chat first test, Australia. We'll talking quick in a minute. Pakistan you too. Talk very fast. Walk to the check-in within minutes with Melbourne Airport's terminal parking. Book online at melbourneairport.com.au. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Day two of the first test uh, will be covered, every ball of it, right here at SEN. And we get underway from midday, of course, so you don't want to miss a single thing. And our next guest certainly didn't yesterday is the SEN cricket and footy reporter. Great pleasure to have Where's him on Tommy? the program. Well, he? he's on the line. How are you, Tommy? Why is he in here? <laughs> Sammy, Where are you, Tommy? Tube, I, will, I will speak as slowly as possible so you can hear every word I say. Where are you? I'm at home. Why aren't you in here? Uh, well, I'm in there tonight. I'm hosting Sports Day tonight. I can't spend all day in there, Scoop. I wanted to have a measure off between you and Sam to see who the tallest was. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you finished that sentence. Uh, I think Sammy's probably just got me covered. Has he? Oh. <laughs> very good, Tommy. Very good. Hey, uh, yesterday, David Warner was very good. Now, he was a lot of people's takeaway. Of course, he was 164 on a dominant day for the for the Aussies. What did you make of it? It was a, 
A big fat I told you so from Davey yesterday. And some people, according to the temper text here, still aren't having it. Yeah, he's got a complicated legacy, doesn't he? Um, 15 of his last 17 test centuries have been in Australia. The other two were in Bangladesh. So he's missed out in England. He's missed out in India. He's missed out in Sri Lanka. He's missed out in the UAE. Uh, I think once he got through the ashes, he uh, there was clearly um, you know the, an, enough to warrant him playing in Australia. The, the, the real question was six or seven months ago whether he should have been playing in England. And that was the question that I think that the selectors had to weigh up closely. But he made a 50 in the first test over there, and that was enough to just get him through. But it does interest me. His legacy is so interesting. I mean, it's partly because of um, Sandpaper Gate, but it's also because he's been on a decline, or a steady decline, against England and India for some time now. And, th- mm. and if you speak to most Australian fans, they're the test matches that we really care about. Uh, but he'll play the summer now, and he'll go out the way he wants. And he batted beautifully yesterday. I don't think, Scoob, it was necessarily a surprise. A bouncy wicket against a, a mediocre bowling attack in hot conditions with something to prove. David Warner has done this before, and, uh, and he loves playing in Australian conditions. Uh, and, and so what he did yesterday, I don't think, was necessarily a huge shock. Yeah, Sam um, and Tom, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I... I, I you know, guys went to South Africa when you know apartheid was was still rampant, and you know that they, they, they had hiccups in their career. But you know, the, the amount of times we turn back to Sam Papergate with with David Warner, and and you know, rarely do you mention anymore Cameron Bancroft, Bancroft or Steve Smith. It's it seems that you know, he was the catalyst. There's there's an air of oh, he wasn't repentant enough. He didn't. Uh, he wasn't as upset as Steve Smith was, which means he he didn't really um, uh, take full responsibility for his actions. He, he's such I, I I struggle to get my head around sort of why we don't cut him a bit more slack. Australian cricket fans and sport fans, I don't think we don't cut a lot of people slack unless they show complete remorse. Yeah, I mean I. I, I when you look at David Warner, he had 12 months out of the game. He can never hold a leadership position in Australian cricket again. My personal view is that's enough. I think I think we, he's entitled to move on and do the best he can from there. But you speak the people I, I speak to a lot of people who watch cricket and a lot of my mates, and they don't like him still based on what he did um, and what he was a part of, and that's just their opinion of him. And you got to put that to one side for his cricket ability, but. It's very hard to change people's minds. That's also true. Mm. You know, he, it's not like he's um, it's it's not like he's come out and explained everything that's happened either. So I'm, I can't wait for his book because that will tell the full story. Because we still don't have the full unedited unedited copy of exactly mm. what happened in Cape Town. You don't think so? No, <clears throat> no, definitely not. No, we no. Don't. And absolutely not. That, and because you got to remember, Scoob, that the 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 terms of the investigation that Cricket Australia set was very narrow. It's what happened in that moment. They didn't ask whether they were ball tampering before that. They didn't ask who else knew. They just literally just asked what happened in that moment and three players were involved. And there's no doubt in my mind that David Warner in the test before and before that, he was the, he was the one that was altering the condition of the ball and everyone knew that and so was South Africa. Um, but we, don't, we haven't been told that officially yet and until we do, I think a lot of questions are unanswered. So the question to both of you as, as journalists is if David Warner had a tell-all book and, and, and then implicated 
other people in Sandpaper Gate. Has he read the room right that the world's ready for that or we just want it, you know, it, it should just go away? How do you read what his next step would be if there is more information that needs to be disclosed to the public? Tom. Uh, he's got a big decision to make, doesn't he? Because if he tells us everything, then he'd be implicating all of his teammates and maybe ostracising himself from an Australian cricketing family, which is, well, I would have said pretty tight, mostly pretty tight, certainly um, the current team and, and, and players of the last few years. If he doesn't tell all, then um, he'll be leaving questions unanswered. I think we need to accept that in that era, so I'm talking 17, 18 Ashes into the South Africa series, um, and even before then as well, that there were practices at play that were either illegal or bordering on illegal and, um, and it culminated in Sandpaper Gate. And people will say, oh, they don't care anymore, that's fine. But, but there are questions that are unanswered that still need to be brought to light. And David Warner was very much at the centre of that and he brought Cam Bancroft in when it became apparent to him that um, the cameras were following him very closely around the infield. And, th and that's exactly how it played out in Cape Town. And that's what people know behind the scenes without being able to say it publicly for moment. Hey, Tom, we've only got a minute or two left, but I'd love your take on, uh, I guess, the interest of cricket in the West. So the, the final crowd figure was given at 15,500. Then it was corrected to 16,000 and change. I think last year, day one was only under just under 11,000. So we get an average attendance of a poor West Coast of 41,000. We get one <laughs> test a year in Perth. Why don't they go and watch it? It's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, cricket's not as popular as footy. That, that, that is just fact. You know, and, um, and you can see that in the crowd numbers across the years. But people will sit through West Coast losing by 130 points to Carlton, but they won't sit through a day of test cricket when you've got David Warner and Steve Smith and Travis Head, et cetera, playing. And, and, and Cricket Australia will argue this is the biggest crowd ever for day one of a test match between Australia and Pakistan in Perth. But I don't think Australian, cricket, Australian sports fans are as enamoured with cricket and keen on cricket and certainly not as tribal with cricket as what footy is. And I think we'll see that at the MCG as well. You might get 50 or 60 on day one, but by day three or four, it might only be 15 or 20. Mm. And that's a shame for cricket. So unless we're playing India or England, um, there's not really big crowds in Australia, and that's been the case for some time. Question without notice to both of you, um, and it was a very important part of the broadcast yesterday, was the Ravi Shastri toss. He's bringing <laughs> excitement to the toss at the start of a test match. It's a yes from me. It, will we see? Will Rav survive the tour of Pakistan and the West Indies here in Australia at the excitement toss? Yes or no? Yes. Yes, I, hope I think so. he will. You know, Scoop, who was going to be the executive at Fox that says to Ravi, ah, we might just yeah. try someone else, else this week? <laughs> Who's going to do that? Yeah, exactly. No one brave enough for that. Walk to the check-in within minutes with Melbourne Airport's terminal parking. Book online at melbourneairport.com.au. Summer Breakfast with Sam Edmund and Simon O'Donnell. Oh, Scooby. She's been a big show and indeed a big week, uh, but we got there. What do you got in store for the rest of your day and what's happening this weekend for you? Oh, am I allowed to speak? Why aren't you allowed to speak? Well, you told me to 
shush and let's get through this without causing no, any trouble. I didn't tell you to shush. <laughs> you did. You told me to shush. That so I'm not talking. Never even though would, we've got the stoozer in or whatever your name never is. never dream of telling you to shush. I couldn't believe it. He's told trending me to again. That's a, that was David Warner yesterday, the old shush. He's trending again. Yeah. 7.28 this morning, still trending. Still going. A human headline. Have, we'll you, thought about, have you thought about OnlyFans, Simon? <laughs> Getting an OnlyFans account. See me in the nick, dear. No, no. It's not all about being in the nick. Nick Kyrgios is not only fan, so we see him in the nick. Pardon the pun. Deja vu here. Uh, Julio is here, of course. So, Jules, what's on the uh, final We're going to talk to Simon Kadic uh, about what happened over in Perth yesterday. Well done for calling out the crowd number two. What rubbish. Why do we do this in Australia? How long Cat get for trying to strangle the Australian captain? <laughs> oh. well, our man, our basketball man, he's got indefinite. He has. What so, about that, the indefinite suspension? That's just weak, isn't it? So, what, with Toby Green, we yeah. say we can't settle yeah, on one. Well, you can come back when you're ready. Yeah, going to get a bit of counselling and we'll, uh, we'll let you know when you can come back. That'll go down well. It's coming off a five-game ban. I suppose they could have hit him with a 10 or a 15. You've got to make a decision, don't you? You can't Probably. sit on the fence. Uh, I'm going to wrap up the year in motorsport with Tim Hodges. The year in footy with uh, football, the round ball cade, Daniel Garb. Mega trade, Riley, Be- Riley Beveridge. Oh, I'm going to talk about that one. to ask Kat how long he should have got should I ask that first or second, do you reckon? Uh, up front. Up front? Okay. Scoop, enjoy the cricket today. We'll be discussing it come Monday morning, I'm sure, but you have yourself a great weekend. Jesus, it's a hard show if you don't. Sensitive sod. <laughs> <laughs> Julian's up next.